Good morning. Our house to our doorstop. We don't even like to shop anymore. I mean, 
was our Mark Levitin when some of the women don't even like to shop anymore. I mean, come on, you know, but we are blessed in this country. And if I see anything from that trip, I enjoyed that part of the trip probably more than anything because it, it just showed me a different, it showed me a different culture and a different society and that people don't live like us all across this road. There's people that actually, they struggle and they have, they have comfort. And uh, so, but here in America, we're blessed. And America is a lot like Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. Believe it or not, uh, the time of Ephesus that Paul is writing to here in Ephesians, in their time, they, they were a very prosperous city. They, they, uh, they, had a, they were like the main trade. They, they were like the key harbor to all the trading. They were a prosperous city. They had entertainment. They had big houses. Big structures, big big houses. They had amphitheater. They it was like coming to America, kind of. You know, they had a lot of prosperity and they did well for themselves. It was a big time prosperous city. They had a medical college. They had renowned doctors. They had uh, a big public library. They had uh, outdoor. You know, I already said they had big had structures up to ten thousand square feet. I mean, they were you know they were big time. They were like a big time city. So. It's no doubt, it's no surprise to me that Paul is writing to the city of Ephesus and saying, take up your armor and fight. Because how many of you know that in America we need, we need to be reminded that we're in a battle. We need to be reminded that we're in a fight and we have to take up our armor and go back and go to war. But uh, in Ephesians 16, I'm, we're going to read this scripture Ephesians 16 says, I, I love the New King James Version. I love the way it, it states it in the New King James Version. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, therefore stand, or stand therefore, having burned your ways with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Uh, give the Lord a hand for His Word this morning.
about my mom, though. My mom had big dreams of change. She was 15 years old when she had her first child, my brother. Uh, two years later, after she had my brother, the husband that she was married to, my brother's dad, uh, got killed in a car accident. And then uh, a few years later, she met my dad, which was uh, abusive to her, wasn't real good uh, to her, and so uh, uh, that relationship was rough. But my dad was a, a lonely Indian. He was a full-blooded lonely Indian, and if you know much about lonely Indians, we're, we're about mixed with everything. more, witness more, do more things for 
in this place and say, yes, I need to be that person. But part of the reason why we're not that person is because we don't realize that we're in a battle. And we've got to realize we're in a battle and we have to fight this in the spiritual realm if we're ever going to get victories and results. Paul tells us time and time again to fight. There's a fight to be fought. There's a race to be run. There is a, a there, we have to finish the course. And those who are set, those that endure to the end shall be saved, the word of God says. Paul says to Timothy in his last days, he's writing a letter to Timothy. He says, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. I finished the race. So you get saved and you have a job to do. You have to finish the race. You don't just get saved. I wish we could all just get saved and float into heaven on flowery beds and leaves. But that's not how it works. The minute you got saved, the minute you said yes to Jesus, you entered into a battle. Whether or not you know it or not, doesn't change the fact that there's a battle going on around you. And you have to pick up yourself and gird yourself with these, uh, these, this armor and go to battle. Go to battle for your families. Go to battle for your kids, for yourself. You ever notice in America, any time that we had a war, I, I've been living for 40 years, and I've noticed, uh, I've seen a few wars. Uh, uh, I remember Desert, Desert Storm, and, and when we went to war there, we took the battle to Iraq. When 9-11 happened, you know, that was a terrible tragedy. But when that happened, we took the war to Afghanistan. We did not, we did not wait for the war to come to us. We did not wait to, you know, we did not wage war here in the homeland. We took war to where the enemy was. And I'm afraid we've got a lot of people uh, in, in the Christian life that want to stay in the homeland. They want to stay in the homeland. They don't want to get out and, and go to battle where the enemy is. They don't want to go after the war. They don't want to go uh, go find the battle. They just seem to stay right here in the homeland and wait for an attack. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks, over the next four weeks, to get in the fight. Get in the fight. I believe that's what Paul is saying right here. I believe he's telling us to get in the fight. Get up and fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your kids. Fight for your church and your, your fellow believers. Fight for yourself and the problems and the struggles and the battles that you have personally. Get in the fight. And you say, well, why do we fight? Why do we have to fight? It's, I mean, really? I mean, why can't we just be saved and, and everything go well? I'm going to give you a couple of statistics. And really, this is all you need. Is all you need, but 50% of couples in the church are in divorce. 50% of the marriages in the Church of Jesus Christ end up in divorce. That's a good one right there for you to fight. You know why? You know why they end up in divorce? Because we won't fight. We won't fight for our marriage. It's so much easier to say. I'll just check out, move on to the next chick or the next dude or whatever. So we don't want to fight. Seven out of ten of our teens, by the time they're age 20, seven out of ten are leaving the church, are leaving the faith. Not the church, the faith. They're turning their back on the gospel. They're turning their back on Jesus Christ. They're turning their back everything they've ever learned, 7 out of 10, that's 70%. So if there is 10 young people in this place, by the time you're 20, statistically, 7 of you will turn your back on faith and walk away. I read an article not too long ago that said that the millennials are leaving the church in droves. We don't fight for our kids. They 
say that we're soldiers. He used to sing the song, uh, Oh, we're Christian soldiers. Remember that song? Anybody remember that song? Oh, we're Christian soldiers. But most people don't even realize that they're in a battle. We used to sing the song, but did we really get it? Did we really understand the stake we were in? The war we were in? I don't believe so. We said yes to Jesus. In the minute we said yes to Jesus, we've been in the world. Been in, been in war, and since then, the world, the world that you live in, has tried to pull you down and pull you back from, from, what, from what God has delivered you from. Think about it. Ever since you said yes to Christ, the temptations in your life has tried to pull you back to where God brought you from. Your flesh, your own sinful nature has done nothing but try to pull you down into the old person that you once were. And the devil tempts us and distracts us and discourages us and blinds us so we don't realize we're really in battle. We're really in battle. The church may be singing, oh, we're Christian soldier, but they are retreating by my great members. Christians live today as if they're on a battle on the battleground. And we treat, I mean, let's face it, we, we live in America where it's really not that big of a deal. You know, we miss church and we, we play church and, and it's really not serious. But we're on a battleground. We're in a battle. And if you're, if you're not in a battle, it's because you refuse to fight. It's not because there's not a battle. It's not because there's not really a war going on. It's because you refuse to fight. You refuse to pick up your armor and put it on and go to battle. You heard the saying, the best defense is a strong offense. And I believe that this, this is exactly, the scripture that we just read is exactly what God, this is the best strategy that God has given us to have a great defense. He's given us the perfect recipe to live victorious in our life. And so, uh, with that being said, I just wanted to establish, uh, establish why we need to fight. I had a video in the first message, but I wanted to cut it so that I don't run over again. But um, basically, it's the movie War Room. Y'all seen the movie War Room? And the lady is trying to sell her house, and she brings the lady to the world, her war room. Y'all remember the little closet in her bedroom where she had all the post-it notes up and she said, this is where I do my battle. This is where I do my battle. And so I want to challenge you, if anything, if you hear anything over the next four weeks, please hear, get into the fight. Get into it. It's there. It's all around you. So please get into the fight. But obviously, the breastplate of righteousness covers the vital organs of the body. But mainly it deals with the heart. I believe this because when Paul was looking at the, uh, the Roman soldier and he was penciling or bending this, uh, this scripture down, I believe he was saying, you know, deal with the heart. You need to deal with the heart. And what does that word righteousness mean? The word righteous literally means to be right with God. You have to be in right standing with God to be righteous. How many of you have had a ticket before, a speeding ticket? Man, there's a lot more of y'all speeding in this service than there was 
to do that is, is you have a part that you have to do. Let's say you get saved. There's nothing you can do to, to, to gain salvation. There's nothing that you can do to earn that. I'm talking about walking above sin and living a holy life. There's only one way that you can do that, and God has given us the right recipe to do that. I'll share another quick story. What happens, this is what happens when you, when you begin to pray on the breastplate of righteousness. I didn't talk about my dad earlier. Uh, my dad, I didn't know really until I was about 32 years old. I was five, maybe five years old the last time. Too young to remember. Too young to remember anything about my father. But I was, you know, if I'd seen him in public, I wouldn't know who he was. And so, at 32 years old, I've always kept in touch with, with my uncle, his brother. He would always kind of tell me what's going on. He would always kind of lead me to help me understand what my father was doing. My father was an addict. He was, uh, you know, an alcoholic. He had all kinds of addictions. And so uh, he was a womanizer. I had uh, three brothers, you know, two I've never met, one I've met a couple of times. Uh, and I always tell my uncle, I'd say, if, if when he gets right with God, if he gets right with God, he'll have to get right with me. When he gets right with God, he'll have to come looking for me and make it right with me, because that's how God works. And so, sure enough, my father got saved. I was 32 years old. My, I got a call from my uncle. My uncle came and said, hey, your dad would love to see you, man. He got saved. And he's living right. He got the goods, and he'd love to see you. I said, all right, man, that's great. I didn't have any malice in my heart. I didn't, I didn't know it. Didn't have any malice or bitterness. So I was like, okay, man. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, let's set it up. And so we set up a time for him to come over. I met his wife. I met one of my brothers that I had, you know, I, you know, I met one of my brothers that was like,
with supplication and being watchful and alert. And God helped me to pray for the saints and helped me to be watchful and alert and know my surroundings. And then I begin to clean the blood over my eyes and I'd say, Lord, cover my eyes with your blood. Don't let them fall or anything. Don't let them be uh, unholy or undefiled or lustful, God. And I begin to rebuke my flesh and crucify with the cross of Jesus Christ. And I say, Lord, I crucify my flesh. Don't let it be meaningless today, but let it be Jesus who lives through me. And I begin to do that every single day. And every single day I begin to fast this particular this particular time, I was fasting every Tuesday and Thursday, complete fast. And I, I, I remember this one day, I got down and did the whole routine. And I got to the breastplate of righteousness, and I said, Lord, give me the breastplate of righteousness. God, search my heart. Don't let there be anything in between us. Don't let there be I need, the Bible says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So the only way that I can be affected and fervent in my prayer is if I'm all right with you, God, and I'm all right. So God began to point out to me some issues. And so I began to pray, God, search my heart like King David did. Search my heart, Lord. See if there be any in, in me any wicked way, God. And I began to really get earnest in that and praying about my heart and making sure I was right with God. And I heard a voice say, you need to climb the Father. So I just discarded and rebuked it and kept on praying. I came to the church and around lunchtime I'd come down here in, in this place and I began to pray. I was praying three times a day. I was praying breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I came here and I was on this stage probably praying. And I got deep down in my prayer and I heard that voice again. You need to call the Father. And I rebuked it again. I said, no, I just, no way, God. No way. Surely you wouldn't ask me to do something like that. So that night, I went home. Me and my wife began to pray, and I began to, she had prayed, and I got deep into my prayer again, and I heard the voice, but this time, much clearer. You need to call my father, and I thought, I know that God. I know that God was saying to me, call your father. It's impossible to be right with God and wrong with your neighbor, with your family, with your friends, with your fellow brothers and, and believers in Jesus Christ. It's impossible to be right right here if you're wrong right here. And so God started to really mold and make me and point out. I said, God, yeah, I'll pass. I'll call you. I'll call you. In two years almost, I did just that. I, I called him. I said, hey. Why don't, we, why don't we start over? Why don't we start over? I don't know you. You don't know me. I said, why don't we just start over and we'll meet for breakfast every once in a while and we'll just get to know each other because we, we need to start there. We should have done that to begin with. We need to start there. And so that's what we do. Me and him will just get together every once in a while. Just me and him and we'll have breakfast. And so we started this relationship. But all because I've been praying on the breastplate of righteousness and God began to, he began to show me and point out things in my life that were coming between me and God. It wasn't that I was wrong. I didn't, I still didn't have any malice. I still wasn't mad. I still wasn't bitter. It was just, this was between me and God and I had to get right. I had to get right. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that Praying on the breastplate of righteousness will do. When you begin to pray on it, God's going to begin showing you areas of your life that you need to get to Him. And so here's how we're going to end this. I've had Julia 
because I think I'm going to implement it in all my sermons over the course of the next few weeks. But it's the song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. Do y'all remember singing that a few weeks ago? None of y'all, but we will. Because I want you to understand that this, this is how we fight our battles. Just like the lady in the war room, she said she pointed to the war room where she prayed and she fought. She didn't fight the flesh and blood, but she fought her battles in the prayer closet. This is how we fight our battles. So especially being Father's Day today, I want us to stand all over this place. And I want us, as fathers, I want to challenge you as a father. This is an invitation for everybody, but especially fathers being Father's Day. I want to challenge you. It's not an altar call where you come down and pray on your knees, but I would love for you to come down front and lift your hands up and declare to God that this is how I'm going to fight my battles. I'm going to fight my battles for my family. I'm going to fight my battles for my kids. I'm going to fight my battles for uh, 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 my brothers and sisters in Christ. But listen, you can't fight battles for them if your life is a mess. you got to fight your own battles and get yourself right with God. Then you can begin to enter into warfare for your brothers and sisters in Christ, your family, your kids. So that's the invitation. I want you to go ahead and stand. I want, I want you to stand. And if you don't want to come to the front, that's fine. But I challenge all fathers to come to the front and declare that, God, I'm going to fight my battles this way. I'm going to go to battle for my family. You don't want to come down front. You do it right where you stand. Lift your hands. As we sing, we're going to sing this a couple of times. And you declare to God, I'm going to fight my battles this way.
Thank God you gave us a recipe, a strategy to live a victorious life here on earth. And God, we're thankful for that. And Father, I pray that as people leave here, God, that they will apply that to their life. God, that they'll get in the fight. They'll fight for their families. They'll fight for the kids. They'll fight for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will make it real to us. Make it real to us, Father. God, I'm thankful for Father's Day. I'm thankful, Lord, that for those who didn't have a father growing up, God, that you, you give us a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father in heaven that loves us far more than an earthly father can love us, God. Thankful for that. Father, I pray that you will bless and keep us safe as we go our ways. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Happy Father's Day, and uh, we have a gift for you out there.